0: Good morning, uh, also, or afternoon to those that are listening at home. And as uh, things progress, we will notice that uh, things will continue to change, uh, but we are not going to make changes, Uh, we're going to make changes on the fly as needed, because things are moving so fast that about the time you make one decision, things have already changed uh, past that. So we're not going to make changes quickly, or uh, too quickly, but also we will be changing as uh, things arise. If you got our our church letter, I appreciate you to be praying and encouraging one another in that. We all have differences of opinions. Opinions are good to be heard, but not necessarily have to be dictated. I hope you understand what I'm saying by that. Is that sometimes we feel like we have to force one another to follow our opinion, uh, versus uh, listening and taking wisdom from one another, and also learning from one another. Uh, and that's and that's important for us during this time, because otherwise things get out of control, and that's far from what we want to represent, because. Our God is not a God that's out of control. Our God is God of control. So things are going to be changing. And so we are going to be sending out pretty much daily. You'll be hearing from us, uh, whether it's uh, email, uh, Facebook. Um, And so uh, those of you that don't, um, you know people that don't have email or don't have Facebook, If you can continue to pass the info on, that would be great. And so, (coughs) uh, Pastor Dave is going to be making a decision about uh, Sue's Memorial this week. And so, we will be sure to get that out uh, to you. Um, But all things as planned. Uh, If you can uh, just uh, plan on that. Uh, Every good quarterback... Uh, that's worth its weight in salt, comes to the line, they always have a plan, right? And when (laughs) you come out and you look at what the defense is going to throw at you, a good quarterback says, this plan that we have is not necessarily the best plan. So we're going to call an audible, and we change plans, and, we, and they morph the play to match what is given. And so what I'm trying to say is I called an audible this morning, and I'm going to continue our theme from last week. Uh, last week, um, not thinking of the coronavirus or the state of our world, but just thinking the state of... Us, um, especially with uh, dealing with Sue's passing and just thinking about uh, just life in general, um, we talked about God is. And I want you to think about that again: that God is. And so um, we want to think about the Lord during these times. We don't want to focus on the unknown or what might happen, or what will, what could be down the road, or assume what might happen. I'm here to tell you that things will get a whole lot worse than you could ever imagine. And I'm not just talking about the coronavirus. I'm talking about one day we're all going to be called to glory. There's worse is coming uh, in the end times, worse—it's going to be worse than what we know it is now. So don't—we don't, uh, don't want to emphasize it is worse because it's going to be worse. We just know that to be true. Uh, we will just some etiquette for after the service. Um, we still have the welcome room. We encourage you to visit and share fellowship. Um, But don't stand around the table. (laughs) Don't, uh, you know, uh, continue uh, to space out and be wise um, and fellowship. Take prayer requests with one another. Prepare to pray for uh, one another. Pray for those that are at home and are self-quarantining or um, that are elderly, that are just taking extra precautions uh, because of either asthma or lung issues and things that uh, potentially could, uh, could hurt them. Um, and don't fret and don't be like people that decided to stay home. Don't criticize them. Pray for them. Honor their decision. They are still a part of the church. We are learning to exercise the one another's. Preparing To serve one another, support one another, lift up one another. To that end, we are putting together a program um, instituted here at the church, which is a normal part of our church life, and that is to take care of one another. Those that are healthy and can support one another ought to do so. Uh, The Lord has continued to bless the church financially, and that's not to tell you don't give Uh, Give as you plan. The ushers will be um, by the welcome room and by the back door, and you can drop your offering. We're just not passing it. We're just not doing unwise things that we don't necessarily need to do um, in pushing our germs on one another. Um, But we're not going to be silly and afraid either. But, um, so we're instituting a call into the church uh, the church office, we're gonna, there's going to be somebody here. Um, if you would like to sa- sign up to run errands for our shut-ins, which are, is, we're going to grow for those that are quarantined, we would ask that you would please sign up. We already have about four that are willing to do this. The church finances are in such a place where we can be a temporary bank, and so we're not going to be passing funds back and forth. Um, if you need an errand, do not hesitate. We will send somebody on an errand. We'll come. We'll drop it off for you. You can mail a check in and we will deposit it. Uh, we will minimize is, and we will also do more in, our minim, in minimizing contact or minimizing um, ways that we can support our community. We will also maximize our abilities to serve one another. And in doing that, we will show our community the gospel. We'll become a beacon of light and hope that we aren't fretting, that we haven't lost control, that we haven't lost hope, that we do have hope, and we have the ability to to share and to help one another. I use that word share uh, because we live in a society right now that's hoarding. (laughs) <laughs> right? And so as you have need, don't be afraid to hesitate and call in and ask. And if you have an abundance, don't be afraid to call in and offer. And say, I have a lot of this item. If somebody needs it, let me know. We will share. Um, so that's, that's the thing I want you to prayerfully consider as we move into this new phase of what I call practicing the underground church right because the reality is is one day we will be told that church is illegal that is by the way not what our state government and that is not what our national government is saying right now some people are like oh they're telling us we can't have church i'm going to go to church anyway that's not what they're saying they're saying would you help us slow uh the process of the transmission of a virus The quarantine is not the same as saying you can't do church, okay? By the way, this is how a lot of false teaching enters into the church. Fear, hysteria, uh, following the world, not listening to wise (coughs) advice. And so I want to encourage you on how we proceed uh, so even though we are not going to our text in Second Timothy, by the way, I still like the picture of the donkey on the front, because I still think it speaks to our time frame in which we see the world in the mass hysteria <laughs> and whatnot. <clears throat> but we are not in Second Peter chapter two, specifically talking about false teachers. But it's a great example of what I want to continue to talk about. In the fact that God is. So before we read Psalm chapter 1, and we remember Psalm 46 from last week, I want us to remember that simple words that God is. In all that God is. Because what we see is not what God is. Because God is over all things and above all things and he's in all things and he's through all things. And so we want to prepare our hearts for that. And I want to share with our response to that simple statement that God is. And I want to talk about the church's response to that and our response to the time in which we see ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your wisdom, the wisdom that (coughs) comes from above, the wisdom that is not ours, that isn't earthly, that, Lord, that you would lead us with that wisdom. A wisdom that doesn't fail, a wisdom that doesn't change based on our time, a wisdom that isn't... um, Lord false. This is a wisdom that is sure, that doesn't crack, fail, falter. Lord, I pray that your words of truth that speak to our heart would give us understanding and give us hope and excitement to see your hand work in each of our lives, the lives of our church body, those that are home those that are away, those that are here, wherever we may be, may we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm chapter 1, listen to God's word, blessed, that means complete contentment or complete happiness. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I hope you see that in verse 3, the fact that we are... Verse 2 and 3, the fact that what we are supposed to be planted in. Where are we supposed to be planted? What does God promise? Remember in Psalm 46, the fact that he says, in the midst of all of the earth-shaking things going on, the mountains being thrown into the sea, we've never seen an earthquake quite like that. We may feel like that at times, but everything is being thrown out And yet, in the midst of all that, there's a river that God plants. And God is telling us to be planted next to Him. To be like a tree planted by the stream of water that yields its fruit in its season. What makes our heart glad? What makes things unshakable in shakable times? How do we deal with what we face, what we see? How to handle our thinking and how to handle what we are facing now? One of the things that comes up in times like this is wrong kind of thinking. A lot of times, one of the dangerous false teachings that crops up is called dualism. You may have never heard of it. But I guarantee that what it is, you probably have heard. Dualism is a heresy. It's been around for generations, century. I mean, just within a hundred years of Christ's death and resurrection. Dualism is simple th- simply this. Uh, it basically sees God and the devil, good and bad, as two independent and sovereign powers struggling for ultimate control of this world. I hope that you, just in the very definition, you see the error that is taught here. A lot of people say, well, we earnestly hope for God to to overcome evil, and and we have this whole that there's two sides at battle. Um, If you've read through the Scriptures, you realize there are not two sides at battle, even though Satan may be battling the outcome is secure the battle has already been won long ago there is really the battle is won in Christ we we tend to think about this and this is especially true in a lot of charismatic doctrines. You'll say that a lot of prosperity and health and wealth, and they're like, well, the devil is behind all evil, so if you believe in God, then, then you will have success, you will have wealth, and you'll have prosperity, because in God, there, none of that exists. And so then it becomes about this good versus bad, and because God is ultimate good, then then there's no evil, and because there's no evil, and God isn't a part of evil, then, then you, you shouldn't have any evil in your life. And I'm not talking about participating in evil, I'm talking about that there's just nothing evil like, you know, bills, or sickness, right, or things we can name. This is one of the things It's like, well, why in the world is there so much sickness in the world? Why is the coronavirus all this? Well, there's this cosmic battle going on. And and no, really, God is in control. God knows what's happening. God has a plan for our world. And it's not the plan that we think it is. And I want you to realize that. God has a definite plan, in fact, God's definite plan is that he will one day, one day not flood the world with water, but he will flood it with fire, and he will finally get rid of every virus known to man. And you know what the ultimate virus is? Sin. In fact, it's more contagious and worse than any virus could ever be. So how do we respond to all of this? We don't respond by saying something that is not true. We don't try to help God and say, well, you know, we don't create a wrong doctrine by trying to, you know, protect God. Well, you know, God is not evil, and so God didn't create this, and God, you know, God is... No, inadvertently when we do that, what we do is basically we say that God isn't in control. Well, no, God is in control. God does have a plan. God is in all things and through all things. And we should be planted by the God that is. That's what I was trying to convey last week. That when we don't know what to do, we run to the God that is. Psalm 110 verse 1 says the Lord says to my Lord. The Lord's having a conversation with himself. The Lord Yahweh says to my Lord, the king and the master, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. I like what in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 through 17 it says, "For by him That is God, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Now, what was created? All things. All things means? All things. And that's all that all can mean. Right? I love that tongue twister. It's always fun. I enjoyed it when my Greek professor taught us what the word all means. And uh, he taught us that phrase. All things were created by him and for him. Yeah. And look at verse 17. And he is before all things. That means he's in front of all things. And in him all things are hold together. Does that mean what we see, the evil in this world? The viruses, the sickness? The pains, the suffering. Is all things include that? Yes. See, God is bigger than our own understanding. God is greater. God is. Think about Job's life. Did God know that evil was going to befall Job? Yeah. Was there a battle taking place between God and Satan? No. Satan came to God and actually had to have permission to do what he did to Job. Job chapter 1, verse 6 through 12, we see this whole interaction between Satan and God. How about Joseph? Go into Genesis. Genesis, you see Joseph, an evil that happened to him turned out for Good, and for God's glory. By the way, that evil that befell him, I mean, look, being beat up by his brothers, being thrown in uh, a well, being sold into slavery, being, you know, sold a second time into slavery, right? Uh, And then being falsely accused, being thrown into another jail, right? And then ultimately standing in the court of the Pharaoh, being in charge of everything. God had a plan, right? Did God use evil? Yes. Was it part of his plan? Yes. Did God create all the evil? Actually, did he, you know, he used all of it, but for his glory, not for Satan's. How about Jesus? <clears throat> all the evil schemes thrown at Jesus... By the way, did you know that everything that began to try to derail the Son of Man, it started right at Genesis chapter 3, right when the gospel was first instituted. By the way, the gospel is not something that happened in the New Testament. It's something happening right from the very beginning the creation. All the evil schemes were part of God's eternal plan, not Satan's. Not the world's, not yours, not mine. It was all a part of God's plan. God is always in control. God controls and uses everything according to His purpose. Last week we made that uh, the reality of who God is plainly seen in, in uh, Psalms 46. Today our response, what is our response to that? to this reality that God is in control of all things. He has plans, His purpose. They never fail, ever. Evil can't change that. Viruses can't change that. Sicknesses can't change that. In fact, God uses it according to His purpose. And I want to propose, last week we looked at two words. This morning I want to look at one, and that is trust. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And six, trust, right? Most of you can quote this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will either direct your paths or make your paths straight, depending on your translation. Here's the reality, trust in the Lord, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Have you thought about that much? How do we respond to all that's going on around us? How do we respond that God is true? God is the way. God is life. God is our salvation. God is in control. God is always working everything out according to his purpose, his plan. <laughs> Even though things are hard, those things hurt sometimes, those things are shaken sometimes, all of that, God still is. That doesn't change. And based on that, we need to trust By the way, this word may not be exactly what you think it is. Uh, And and in some of you, it may be that. But do you know that this word literally means this to lie helpless face down? That's what the Hebrew word here for trust means. I don't know about anything. When I think of trust, I think of sitting in a chair and enjoying the chair, right? I trust that it's going to support me. But the word here has a bigger meaning. Trust. It pictures a servant waiting for the master's command in readiness. And this is the word that was used when a conquering general came in and the army would lay down prostrate in front of the new general, the new master, waiting orders to either die or live. And you're laying face down in front of this new master, trusting... That you will live. You're laying, and that's the idea here, is to lay down helpless, face down. It's to basically give up yourself. This should sound familiar. It's the same concept in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God wants us to lay ourselves down prostrate before him. Help as a helpless individual. Trust, to put one's life in the hands of the master. So this is the, how do we respond? God is, therefore, we put our life in his hands. No matter what the outcome is, we're in his hands. That's where we want to be. We don't want to be anywhere else. We want to be in his hands. We want to be prostrate before him. We don't want to lay ourselves helplessly before the world. That just doesn't sound wise. It doesn't sound as reassuring as putting our self in the God that is. By the way, if you notice that the key to trust is with all your heart. Leaving no area of your heart unturned with all your heart, the key to that is this, is just as a healthy human heart is at the center of the body and is absolutely essential for physical life and health and emotional health. It's amazing that when somebody does open heart surgery that their emotional health suffers as well as their body. So to a spiritually healthy Heart is needed. It's at the center. Trust the Lord. Lay yourself down with all of your heart. Lay yourself prostrate before the Lord. Put your heart and everything in it in His hands. The heart is the depository of all wisdom. It's the depository of the source of our mind. When we think of the idea here of with all your heart is that it is the depository for the how you think. It's the depository of how you talk. It's the depository of the sight in which you look at things, how you look at things and how you conduct your life. So with all your heart, lay your conduct, lay your, how you look at things, lay your speech, lay how you think. In the hands of your master. That's trust. He didn't stop there though, it's a stair step. That's where you begin. If you're gonna trust, you have to lay your heart in the master's hands. This is literally another stair. He says, Don't lean on your own understanding. Leaning means primary, you know, the idea here is don't lean on your sword. I have a couple swords in my office. The kids love to come in and lean on them. Uh, don't lean on your sword. Two things happen. False hope, and you bend a sword. Right? A bent sword. Uh, when you hit something with a bent sword, guess what happens? It breaks. When you lean on your own understanding too much, and you lean on your laurels. I have laurel plants at my house. You don't want to lean on them. Uh, they break. <laughs> if you lean too much, and then you go out to battle in the world in which we live in, you will crack. You will crumble. You will break. God says, "Look, the next key to trusting is stop leaning on what you think you can handle or do." I like Psalm thirty-three. Verse 17, it says, the war horse is a false hope for salvation. By the way, the war horse or the chariot of war was the tank of the olden days. Those that had the more horses won all the battles. He says, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. The greatest might known to man at the time could not rescue but the God that is can. Philippians chapter 3, by the way, if you read that whole chapter in one sitting, you begin to realize, what did Paul tell us? Don't rest on your flesh because it can't do anything. He said the key is, is to pursue Christ at all costs. He trusted in Christ, not in what he could do, So that way, the circumstances weren't in control of his life. Philippians chapter four, verses ten through thirteen. Here's the thing: this is what it means to understand in yourself. Why shouldn't we lean on our own understanding? Simply this: human understanding is darkened by our nature of sin, our spiritual blindness. Our hard hearts, we really don't know what's best for ourselves. We truly can't see everything. And our sin nature distorts everything in our life, our emotions, our feelings. The second thing is this. Human understanding is limited. God's understanding is not limited. God is higher. You know the Isaiah, the Jeremiah passages, but also don't underestimate the passages in Romans. Also, here's this, human understanding is often contrary to God's wisdom. I always tell people this, if you're reading God's word and it seems to be exactly the opposite of what the world says, then your interpretation of scripture is most likely correct. Just a little word of wisdom. (laughs) Lean not on your sword, whatever the sword is in your life. Actually, I'm going to go back. (laughs) The key to trust is to who you acknowledge. Don't acknowledge the uncircum, the un- almost said uncircumcised. (laughs) Don't acknowledge the circumstances in which we live. Don't acknowledge them as king, as master, as Lord. Here's the key. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge the God that is. Today, Raul, I almost called him pastor, Pastor Raul, he in his wisdom said, Hey, we're gonna spend a time acknowledging one another. What did he mean by that? Was spending some time going up and having a face-to-face, seeing who's here, uh, rejoicing and with those who rejoice and, and learning about each other and right, acknowledging. It means to know intimately and personally. The key to real trust is an acknowledgement. And by the way, this, isn't a, this is a command. If we're going to be able to fulfill the command to trust, we have to acknowledge God in what? In all our ways. There's that pesky all again, right? God is in control of all things. We need to acknowledge that. Acknowledge the God that is. Go back to go back to the Psalms and see how David beautifully and the other psalmists beautifully always go back, no matter how hard. They acknowledge that, man, life is miserable. Life is hard. And then what do they do? They the key to their life is they acknowledge who God is. But I want to direct you to this last thing. Look at the result. This is a great psalm because it's a series of commands with a beautiful result. And he will make your path what? Straight. Make straight your path. Do you know what this really means? This is literally in the olden times when a king was coming He would send out servants to go ahead and if you think about, if you've ever been in a a third world country, I've happened to travel through uh, 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 Egypt and let me tell you, none of the roads that that paved or unpaved, none of the roads in Egypt and none of the roads in Israel were straight. None of them were like they, they were shaky to the core. I mean, you drove and you're like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I don't, I don't see why people want to sit down in a chair that shakes. Uh, I did that on many roads through third world countries. It just, it wasn't appealing. It gave me great headaches. None of the roads were straight. None of the roads were cared for. None of the roads, they were shaky roads. They weren't sure roads. Some of them would fall away. I'll never forget driving on a road where we looked back under that road in Northern California to realize there was asphalt, but when you looked back behind you, there was no ground under there as we went around the corner. So when we came back, because it was the only way back home, we hugged the side of the hill. (laughs) But what the king would do was go out and literally pick up the road, clean the road, remove the rocks, straighten out the road, and straighten and smooth things out, so that way the king would make his destination on where he planned to go. Do you see what God is saying here? Trust. Lay down your life in my hands. I'm already ahead of you straightening out the road. Why, don't, why not lean on our own understanding? Because when we do that, we get off the road. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one's going to get to the end any other way but through Christ. He is the road. He's the way. He's the entrance into glory with God. As we look at what befalls us in the day in which we live, can I just encourage you? Would you just lay yourself before God and trust? The, the response to the God that is, is trust. He is already out ahead of us, already clearing a path, straighten our road out, stay on the road, the road... That is built by the God that is. And don't forget to just simply trust. Man, I can just encourage you, because, I mean, we're going to be hit with all sorts of crazy things. If you think right now is crazy, man, you haven't read Revelation then. <laughs> this is just, I don't even think this is the tip of the spear. <laughs> so you know this is, so I mean everybody's like oh man this is a dagger this is hard this is horrible yeah we're inconvenienced you know people are staying home that's, that's good that's wise we should do that we should think about each other not about what we want <laughs> we should share we should support we should love but can I just simply put if, if you want to be wise in the uncertain times would you just trust God is, the path is, he's already out ahead of us. And you want to be, trust trust this, don't trust me, but trust this, that we want to be where God is. We don't want to be where we think we should be. And so as God straightens out a road and you're like, wait a minute, don't I want to be over there? Just trust and lay yourself in God's hands. He hasn't forgotten us. He won't forget you. Whatever evil that befalls us, whatever suffering that we face, whatever hardships we face, He's already out ahead of us. He's already began to straighten the road out. He's using it for His glory, for His purposes. And we are in His hand. Just trust. That needs to be our ultimate response let's pray lord i thank you for this time i pray that your wisdom the wisdom of old the wisdom of eternity would permeate our hearts and our minds in christ jesus may we not be discouraged or dismayed but may we be like the tree that's planted by the stream of living water when, the, when the, the wind just blows the world away like the wind has been blowing everything away these days, may we still be planted firmly, being nourished in our soul by the God that is. May we trust that. May we trust you. Lord, may you help us. We need your help. It's hard. to trust ourselves. It's not to trust in our abilities, our swords. It's hard not to, it's hard to acknowledge you when our circumstances can be great, earth-shaking. But you are the God that is, and you are in control. Help us to acknowledge that in Jesus' name. Amen.